We're back to New World next week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. I'm James Evan Pilato from MediaMonarchy.com. People are much more worried about someone coughing on them than someone blowing up a building. We've got that story, plus green drones. But first, Allegiant Stadium in Vegas to be America's first pro sports venue to open cashless. This coming from Fox 5 Vegas. The other bit of news, yes, the Raiders have moved to Los Angeles, or rather to Las Vegas from Los Angeles. Or was it Oakland? The Raiders' Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas will make history as the first American professional sports venue to open as a cashless venue. As part of our ongoing dedication to provide our fans and patrons with world-class sports and live entertainment, and in response to feedback from our most loyal customers, cash will not be accepted as a form of payment at any stadium-controlled parking location or within Allegiant Stadium, the Raiders said in a statement. to The team said cashless transactions are expected to significantly increase the speed of service, shorter lines, back to your seats. Raiders added that a survey of their PSL holders showed that its fans, by a huge majority, prefer cashless payment options. The Raiders said fans can pay for items using debit or credit cards or mobile wallets, including your favorite fangsters like Apple Pay or Google Pay. For fans who bring dirty, filthy cash to the stadium, the venue will have several cash-to-card kiosks, which I guess you don't have to put your hands all over, positioned throughout the stadium where fans can exchange cash for a prepaid card that can be used both inside and outside the stadium. Sounds like Raiders bucks, essentially. The team said the decision to open as a cashless venue is also in line with recent guidance from the CDC and Nevada Governor Steve Sizlak's leadership in response to the scandemic, as both his medical advisory team and emergency directive urged businesses to adopt contactless payment systems. Cashless transactions, the team noted, promote the overall health, security, and public safety of their fans and PSL holders. And of course, lamestream Fox News makes me look up what PSL means. Personal seat license. Maybe there are folks out there who already know this and I'm behind. It's basically a ticket that lets you buy more tickets. Uh, until the team inevitably, of course, leaves for some other better stadium and theft breaks. James, Somewhat softball way to start this New World Next Week episode, but again, this is this has been going on. You'll find comments in other places about, oh, Disneyland's been doing this for years with their bracelet. And again, like we've talked about since the scamdemic, they didn't just come up with all these contactless, cashless ideas over the weekend. They've been a long time on the plate, and again, the scamdemic is the time to make all these moves, right, James? It absolutely is. The uh, important essential part of the Great Reset is going to be the cashless society. And I think we've all seen that. And we've seen the various ways that this story is being manipulated into the public consciousness right now, including the coin shortage and everything else contributes to this idea. And uh, just as we were talking last week about the COVID robocops and that there's a certain logic to the technology itself that in some ways dictates the way that technology is going to be used in this case as well. I don't think you can make the argument that it isn't more convenient and easier to have some sort of, you know, just scan your phone and you're done. No fumbling for change, no getting, you know, cash and all of that stuff. Eh, it's just so annoying and you, know, you got your hands full anyway. You might as well just... And it'll be so much easier once that's in a chip that's embedded in your skin. And then you just wave your 
wave your wrist over the scanner or whatever it is. It'll be so much easier. And you can't really argue with that. It will be easier. Um, but unfortunately, uh, humans are, I mean, essentially, in some ways, very monkey-like, and we will just take what's in front of us. Well, it's easier to do this in this particular case, so okay, I'll do it. Uh, without thinking of the long-term ramifications of a society that's built around that level of convenience for you and the erosion of the the the, the freedom that comes with cash transactions. Uh, so it is our job, I think, to ring the bell and say this is a very dangerous precedent. And yes, of course, it doesn't matter in this one particular context, in this one particular day, but it's part of a much bigger story that they're trying to reweave the fabric of our society so that everything we do will be technologically databased, tracked, and controlled. And that is a very worrying development. So, of course, as always, you've got to keep your eyes on the bigger prize here, uh, which is human freedom itself, which is under attack through stories like this one. So, yeah, uh, it's uh, unfortunately, it is a, just another part of this new normal, but it is an extremely important one. And I think the acceleration that we've seen over the last several years towards the cashless society, it, that acceleration is just increasing now as we're going over the cliff. And again, this is nobody's forcing anybody to do this. This is at an entertainment venue where people with enough money to spend are able to go to those sorts of events. And, and for now, they make the transition easy because if you have cash, oh, you can just buy one of the prepaid cards and, you know, what that's that's not tracked to you personally. It'll all be easy. But eventually they remove the the cash to prepaid card route because fewer and fewer people use them because they've been trained into cashless payments. Isn't it interesting? This is actually just this really just struck me how much this article already assumes, oh, you're going back to sports and concerts and venues and stuff. They don't even talk about yeah. whether do we 50 percent capacity at the sports venues. I mean, yeah. And the other thing. Yeah, absolutely. I hope people will go back to my Gates documentary where I at the very, very end of part four, I have just a tiny clip from a very interesting interview about Clear Health Pass. And uh, this is a, a company that started after 9-11 to provide biometric screening to, so you can get your boarding pass at the airport. And now they're saying, but now with, you know, this is 9-11 this is, uh, 2.0 or whatever they're saying. And now it'll be at the sports stadium. It'll be at the, you know, when you go into your office, it'll be when you go into a public building, you'll have to you know, do the biometric screening. That will be part of this. So as I say, every piece of this connects. And sports stadiums, again, as as kind of, stupid and limited as that one particular example may be, it is a way to start to train people into the new normal in the same way that uh, the airports were used to train people into the new normal after 9-11. Well, of course, it's easy for me to go, yeah, screw that, those sports stadiums. But then, of course, they'll hold a concert. Now, oh, God, now, well, man, now I want to go to it. You also mentioned the coin shortage, James, in, the, in an era of so much eye rolling nothing's made me roll my eyes too much more than hearing the PA announcement at my grocery store mention the Federal Reserve has said there's a coin shortage. So blah, blah. Oh my God, it is. It's just, it's all kind of coming out just very obviously mentioning the Federal Reserve while they tell you, you know, what's on sale in aisle four. That's how we get rolling here on this episode 420 of Neural Next Week. And in honor of this being episode 420, dude, I've got one from our amazing video editor, Brock West. And we grabbed this one via, via Zero Hedge. And again, of course, everything we talk about on these shows always linked down in your show notes. In what appears to be a political stunt by cannabis activists in Israel, 
a civilian drone buzzed around city streets dropping hundreds of bags filled with marijuana. The bizarre incident took place on a Thursday afternoon over Rabin Square, a large public city square in the center of Tel Aviv, resulting in dozens of people storming the streets to pick up free weed. Ahead of the drop, Green Drone, a pro-legalization group responsible for operating the drone, published a message on Telegram saying, The time has come. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's the Green Drone sending you free cannabis from the skies. The message also detailed how Green Drone is launching a new delivery service in Tel Aviv called Rain on Cannabis. Shortly after the drop, predictably, police arrested two men who were allegedly piloting the drone. Cops said the baggies were stuffed with a dangerous drug and that officers managed to recover some of those baggies. So you'll learn in this article that Israel, I guess, has medical but not recreational and recently they changed some laws to where oh they can export that sweet medical cannabis but people there can't have it and that somewhat relates to the weird things between the states and the federal situation here in america with cannabis but james maybe they'll drop some over i don't know gaza maybe the stolon heights one would wonder what ha would happen if they tried that in Japan. <laughs> no one would pick it up for many different reasons, I think, over here. But uh, <laughs> all right. So this is a, a kind of fun, lighthearted little story for 420. So let me take it in the uh, the darkest way possible, as is my want. Um, because, yeah, OK, uh, just a funny, lighthearted little story. Of, oh, they they're doing a little stunt in dropping bags of weed on on Israel. Yay. OK, but. This is this. Uh, my mind goes into the place. This is part of a series of stories that have been coming out over the last several months. I know you've been following some of them there at Media Monarchy, regarding drones popping up in various places. Who? Where? There's a drone at this airport. There's a drone at this nuclear reactor, and it's mentioned. It's reported. We don't know where it's from, and then it's never reported again. Like what? What was that about? And I think the public consciousness is being seeded right now with a lot of these types of stories uh, to prepare us for the inevitable use of drones in a much more malicious way. And uh, I'll see if I can dig it up. Uh, I might not be able to at this point, but I remember a year or two ago, there was someone who created a kind of like a dystopian sci-fi kind of newscast from the future that was talking about the way that uh, these types of technologies would be used in the future. And, you know, there's, uh, I can't remember what it was, but some, you know, Senate hearing or something. And then suddenly this swarm of drones comes in and assassinates a bunch of the senators and leaves. And who, who, you know, where do these drones come from? Who was piloting them? And it's a big investigation and things like this. You know, that's the way that this could very much be used. Obviously, as our audience will know, in some sort of false flag type scenario in the future let alone real, actual terror attacks or what have you. So there you go. This is a fun little story that could be part of a much, much darker story. So much like our opening story as well. James, I was watching the Rockies and Dodgers baseball game the other day, and suddenly even the announcers are like, where's everybody going? And you see dudes all make a beeline off the field, and you learn after awkward television delay there was a drone over the field and they probably gave some signal where much like, which, you know, these are high profile people. So much like rock stars on stage or celebrities, there's a word and they are freaking out of there. And it was really interesting again to see play out. Oh, it just in a funny sports way. It's not all fun and games here on Neural Next Week episode 420. It is also 9-11 plus 19. And for our third and final segment here on Neural Next Week, 
Reuters is essentially, I think, conflating the 19-year-old lie with the eight-month-old lie. Rebuilt after 9-11, World Trade Center threatened anew by coronavirus. As the ruins of the New York's World Trade Center smoldered following the September 11 attacks of 2001, skeptics, which is not usually the way they use that term skeptics in a sentence about 9-11, skeptics doubted it could ever rise again. Now, as the 9-11 anniversary approaches 19 years, the grand vision set forth after its destruction has largely been realized, built upon the World Trade Center complex, but the World Trade Center complex. Seeing I try and give it all this uh, heavy emotion that they're obviously building into this article, and I can't even get it out with a straight face. The rebuilt World Trade Center complex is under threat anew, this time from a microscopic virus. People are much more worried about someone coughing on them than being blown up in a building, said the chief executive of a mortgage refinance startup that's headquartered on the site known as Ground Zero. Six months after New York City began shutting down due to COVID-19, the World Trade Center and the once-bustling financial district are now eerily devoid of crowds. In other completely unrelated scamdemic news, New Yorkers flee New York City in droves as U-Haul turns away business. But the real question, James, here we get to like the nitty-gritty, gross, sad tragedy of all of this. And we wonder, well, where's Jon Stewart's tears now? As Long Island News 12 reports, 9-11 didn't end on 9-11. Lawyer says first responders falling victim to COVID-19. As the 19th anniversary of September 11th approaches, first responders who lived through the aftermath of the tragedy are now dealing with more tragedy due to the pandemic. Many 9-11 first responders who survived that day are now passing away from COVID-19. Michael Barash, a lawyer for 9-11 first responders, says he's lost almost 100 of his clients to the coronavirus, with more than 20 of them from Long Island. 9-11 didn't end on 9-11, he told News 12. He says many 9-11 first responders and those who were in the exposure zone that day have developed respiratory problems and are particularly vulnerable to the virus. The very end of this article, James, which again, we implore folks to go read the entire articles, not just my own sort of, you know, our summations of things. The end of the article says doctors recommend both 9-11 and current first responders wear PPE and social distance. So I was playing, James, you republished your 2016 documentary, 9-11 Suspects. And I was playing the audio of that on my radio stream, listening to Christine Todd Whitman, of course, tell New Yorkers that the air didn't pose a health hazard. And I was reminded of this, maybe crossed my mind subconsciously previously, but I was glad I sort of remembered it and crystallized it and wrote it down. When there's aerosolized poison in the sky, they go, that's no big deal. Now they're freaking out about masks when there doesn't seem to be much of anything. And I realize this could be all the big setup. All us crazy anti-maskers are yelling about stuff, and then maybe they unleash the the real germ that does start to bleed people on the sidewalks like 9-11 does, James. That, but that irony about the, 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 the masks and the politicization of them and just the, the ridiculous nature of all of it really struck me. Yeah, that's very well observed because uh, that is an, an, a core part of the Christine Todd Whitman lies surrounding uh, 9-11 because she was saying, oh, you know, don't wear masks. It's OK. You know, you're fine on the pile. Wear a mask. But outside, it's you're fine, which, of course, we know was a lie that resulted in many, many deaths. 
And now, as you say, yeah, now it's the exact opposite. Now it's freak out, wear your mask, stay at home, social distance over this. This. Uh, yeah, exactly right. So uh, just another one of the many parallels, mirror images, other things that are going on between the original 9-11 and this 9-11 2.0 that we are currently living through. And there are so many of those types of parallels. And I thought there's really nothing that encapsulates this handing of the torch from the previous fear paradigm based on 9-11 War on Terror to the new fear paradigm based on this invisible enemy, the biosecurity state coming into view. Uh, then all of these 9-11 memorials and things being canceled or they're, they're going to social distance, they're going to do it pre-recorded by video feed or whatever, as opposed to, because, you know, because now, yeah, we'll, we'll try to never forget, yeah, blah, 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 but let's really focus on the new threat. This is the new threat. So I, I just thought that was a, a nice way of encapsulating what we're living through right now. And uh, it is highly relevant. I mean, this isn't just some observation to be made. It is literally a changeover in the form of governance that we are going through right now from the homeland security terror state into the biosecurity state, um, which is an extension of that previous homeland security type state, but it has its own flavor to it. And it, um, it's, again, even more depressing and worrying in a lot of ways. So on that note, uh, for this 9-11, I will be releasing a new podcast uh, on on this idea of the, the changeover from 9-11 to biosecurity. So I hope people will uh, get that podcast and get it out to others. I think it speaks to what we are living through right now. And anyone who has had their eyes open for the past 19 years of lies, I I hope, I sincerely hope that they will understand that we are living through a, a, a very analogous type of situation where we are the world is being transformed around us on the back of a scam. And uh, I think everyone who's watching this broadcast probably knows what that means. And as, as I've been sort of saying, I think as a warning that we haven't even seen maybe some of the parallel rollouts from the last 9-11. Maybe we haven't even seen the new Homeland Biosecurity Administration that, you know, they'll roll out. Man, the, I was talking to my parents on on the line the other day and they had mentioned, oh, kids were going to go back to school in West Virginia, but... Then there were new cases. So where we are on the color-coded thing says, it's like, whoa, 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 wait, what? Yeah, they have a color-coded scheme about reopening things on this giant scamdemic. So again, I don't think we've even seen the the, the events that came after 9-11 that, again, maybe in hindsight seem like they happened in, in quick succession, but it took a few years. It was a few years after 9-11, you know, before they could get into Iraq and all the, all the really important things. Has anyone here watched RoboCops? James, I was on the tweets the other day, as I am apt to do, and saw something sort of shared and reshared, and it's not from anyone that, as far as I know, that doesn't follow me on Twitter. Has anyone here watched RoboCops? Remember how in the movie, corporate America aids criminals and helps incite riots so they can lower property values and then buy up the city? Science fiction's crazy, am I right? I have definitely noticed an increase just in the last week, James, of people talking about RoboCop. And not just the helmets and the behavior detection officers and all of that, but just as it again relates to the broader scheme of the fangsters and your smart cities and all of that rollout. So we talk about the RoboCops. I play the audio of pretty much all the latest Corver Report episodes, all the latest Last American Vagabond episodes. 
news, music, memes, and more on my streams Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 Mountain Time. James, it's going to be my 15th anniversary as Media Monarchy on September 11th. Now, I've not been streaming and doing all the crazy radio stuff from that time. Again, a lot of things sort of take some time to build. But I put the website online and published the first post on September 11th, 2005. So be sort of celebrating that in the Media Monarchy kingdom. And again, would love to see folks come and join us and support us. We, you and I, again, have been doing this for quite some time. MediaMonarchy.com slash join has all the numbers of ways to support us. And you'll also find, as James, we've been talking on these last couple of weeks on these episodes, using the Media Monarchy post office box as a double for some folks who want to send some support to you as you do not have a post office box. James, I was going to ask you, what would happen if a drone started dropping weed in Japan? Would anybody they just like, yeah, I don't care. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, there's so many different things, that uh, cultural taboos, against picking up something that's not yours, <laughs> let alone something that's uh, highly illegal here. But uh, <laughs> all right. Anyway, I would sing happy birthday to you. But honestly, I just snapped my high E string the other day. And I, 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 I literally do not have time to restring it because I'm working so hard on this podcast. Boo-hoo, right? Oh, well. Anyway, I am very busy. But uh, you will just take my heartfelt congratulations on 15 years of doing this. Trust me, uh, I know how difficult it is to do this work day in, day out for months, let alone years, let alone decades. So it is quite an accomplishment. You should give yourself a well-deserved bat on the bat on the pack or a pat on the back. And I hope the uh, listeners out there will do that. The people who appreciate you, I hope they will support your work because that's how it comes to you. Um, we need your support. So I, I appreciate all the people supporting Corporate Report and Media Monarchy. We're going to leave it there for this week. We'll be back next week. James, thanks again. Thanks, buddy. Take care.